0: Welcome to the To Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father
1: Rob, how are you today? Hey, good morning, Jim. Uh, I'm doing very well. It's going to be another beautiful summer like day in Milwaukee in mid November. So we're enjoying this very much.
0: It's pretty nice here, too. Yeah. And I'm yeah. flying off to Arizona where it's like 40 degrees. <laughs> so that's I know that's that's a little ironic. It is, or just bad luck. It's yeah. ironic in the Alanis Morissette definition of oh, irony, which is cultural just reference. crappy luck. Yeah. <clears throat> um, hey, uh, before we get started with today's topic, um, I need to. There we go. Um, guess what's uh, going on in the news? We're we're just adding an in the news section only because it, um, you know reflects well on us. Okay. Um, the Archdio- Archdiocese of the Twin Cities, um, Archbishop Hebda is going to consecrate the entire Archdiocese to St. Joseph on December 8th. That's awesome. I'm, do you think he's Archbishop Hebda is
1: one of our listeners? You think that we inspired um, this? I don't know. <laughs> say maybe. I would say the chances are rather slim. You know, but, it's uh, possible.
0: He <laughs> could have he heard this podcast. By like, the Rob, way. You know, Father Rob's really on to something here. Maybe we'll do this for the whole archdiocese. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like By the way, we idea. should
1: probably clarify, because not everybody might know what the Twin Cities are, so it's Minneapolis-St. Paul. Just, right. Just to be clear. I'm not
0: sure. We do have some listeners that aren't around Those here. Those people so.
1: in... You know Ethiopia that are going to be listening so we to don't us have may, any may not. Ethiopian know. listeners. we do have we we do have people in
0: like Texas and California okay. and a few other people that are are listening that accidentally found us. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened, <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, so that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, indeed. And I'm, I'm excited. It's just one day too. They they don't have to oh. go through the 33 day thing. Oh right, like we did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well. I guess he's archbishop. He can streamline it if he wants to. Right. It's you know he is the archbishop. So um,
0: so there's that. Uh, we're we're gonna have a whole year dedicated to Saint Joseph here in the Minneapolis Saint Paul archdiocese. I can't say diocese very well for some reason.
1: That's okay. It's it's early in the morning. What you're do you st- want? You're still waking up.
0: <laughs> I am still waking up.
1: What do we want to talk about today, Father? Well, we thought it might be helpful to talk about the Catholic doctrine of purgatory um, because a lot of people, even Catholics today, don't really know anything about this doctrine. It's not often talked about or preached about, and there are many misconceptions about it. So you and I thought it would be a good topic to address um, because it's it's actually very hopeful and very central to our understanding of the afterlife. Um But again, it's something that um, maybe earlier generations understood better. But I think in recent decades, we've um, neglected to really uh, preach it and teach it clearly. So what do you think? There's not, a lot, but yeah, I think that's what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, just, you're, not, you're not throwing a curveball. It's that. always
1: good in a podcast <laughs> when the two people agree to talk about the same topic. That's no,
0: what's, what's funny about this though is that the the guys in my men group, men's group, are, are listening to us, and, and I guess regularly, and they're absolutely convinced. That I'm just copying the topics that we talk about in men's group. <laughs> and I just think, oh, well, let's talk about this this week. Because <laughs> we covered Purgatory a few weeks ago. Oh, it a, well. It was a fascinating discussion. Not nearly uh, as fascinating as what as you're, the one we're about what to you're have. going to bring to the conversation. Oh, going to be absolutely delightful. So, where do you want to start? You know, I think it's interesting. <clears throat> I ask, I always do this. I ask you, where do you want to start? And then I'm like, no, screw it. This is how I want to start. Um. (laughs) Yeah, why don't you you start us off?
1: How do I want to start? You need purgatory more than I do, so why don't you start? That's not wrong. That is not a (laughs) wrong statement. No, the very fact that I would say that means I need it more because I'm not humble. Well... Uh, I mean, there's 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 humble, and then
0: there's correct. So I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, but what's I think what's interesting about um, where I want to start with Purgatory is that um, ours, I think, ours is the only faith that um, considers a third uh, realm. Um, as opposed to certainly other, uh, you know, other Christian beliefs don't. Mm-hmm. They just they get to bypass purgatory altogether and they just go straight to heaven. Right, right. But but then how many Catholics, you know,
1: are you get a phone call? Uh, yeah, my phone is <laughs> ringing in my office here, and I don't know how to <laughs> right now silence it. So.
0: Um, it's well,
1: Archbishop Hebda calling you
0: to get some well, advice on well, how to consecrate the It could be my guardian angel calling me
1: and telling me that I am indeed going to spend a long time in purgatory. So anyway. So
0: um, the thing that I think is, is interesting is that there's not a lot of our, our Catholic brethren that really buy the whole purgatory thing. I don't think. I don't get that sense when talking with the average Catholic out there.
1: No, I think you're right. I think that most Catholics and others, other people, basically feel that upon death, you know, you immediately go to heaven. And I, and I say that because I, I don't think a lot of people even believe in the reality of hell anymore. Uh, you know, how can a loving, merciful God ever, quote-unquote, send anybody to hell? And of course, God doesn't. Uh, we choose hell. But um, be that as it may, I think I think you know when when you think about also uh, popular culture movies that portray anything about the afterlife, it's it's usually um, yeah, it's usually just like we go to heaven immediately, and even in our preaching, unfortunately, as uh, Catholics, as priests, deacons, we, we at funerals, you know, we want to give people hope and encouragement, of course, which is proper, and. Um, and we wear white vestments now, as opposed to black vestments as we used to. So we don't want to discourage people, but I think uh, in our effort to console, we sometimes uh, forget that there is a, a process of purification after death, and that we don't just sort of appear immediately uh, before uh, God and all of His glory. And we're not, you know, ushered well, it's possible. It. You can. Oh, it can. Yeah, no, that's true. It can. One can, especially if 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 one is especially holy, or has had a, a real experience of suffering and purification on earth, definitely. Right. So, I yeah, I don't want to exclude that possibility. But I think for the vast majority of us schmucks, you know, we are going to need some form of uh, purification and healing uh, after death. And, and anyway, that's, that's what we want to talk about today.
0: Well, I, I remember uh, we were having this conversation um, back in the spiritual direction days, and you were like, well, I think... Uh I think you were quoting uh, St. John Paul II, and it's like 10%, uh, about 10% go to heaven, about 10% go to hell, and then the rest of us got to work it out in purgatory.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think I would have ever been that specific in my percentages, because I don't really know, but I I might have been quoting uh, Pope, emeritus Benedict the sixteenth because in he's got a great encyclical by the way which oh. I would encourage anybody to read it's called Spe Salve translated as On Christian Hope and he talks about purgatory near the end of that document and and he does you know say that there are probably um, a few people that are able to go to heaven immediately upon death because of the holiness of their life and perhaps also because of the uh, magnitude of their Um, purification on earth. And then there are, uh, you know, we don't know how many, but there would be uh, hopefully not too many uh, souls that eternally separate themselves from God because of a life of great evil and sin. But yeah, he's the one that kind of says that that probably the vast majority of of human beings uh, require some preparation, some uh, process by which we're made ready for heaven. So...
0: What do you think the uh, primary cause of people going to... I mean, I know what the obvious answer is, but um, why people might go to purgatory?
1: Well, uh, there's a couple things that come to mind for me. One is that um, throughout our lives, um, we commit all kinds of sins, uh, evil acts, um, uh, both large and small, and we Catholics believe that those sins are forgiven each time we go to the sacrament of confession or reconciliation and sincerely repent of them and open ourselves to God's uh, merciful grace. But even if those sins are forgiven, sins have kind of a ripple effect in our lives. And so when I blow up at my kids and then they storm off and are all upset and maybe they, uh, you know, kick their, the dog or their younger Sister or brother, is there or something that you want to <laughs> share right now? <laughs> no, no I, this is not autobi- autobiographical. <laughs> I'm just hypothetically thinking of an example, <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> maybe just pathetically, but anyway. Um, but but the idea is when we sin, it's not something that only affects us, and so our sin might be forgiven in the sacrament of confession, but we have to deal with all of the ramifications and the consequences of our sins. So that's that's one thing, that purgatory might be this opportunity to kind of make relationships with people right, especially, you know, people that have preceded us in death. Um, one image that I've heard is, you know, if, if heaven, of course, it's a biblical scriptural image of heaven as kind of a banquet, a heavenly banquet at which we, we sit around and enjoy this great feast, well, think about some, you know, uh, meal that we've been at where we're at table with people we don't like or even people that we might judge to be an enemy or if nothing else people that we might want to avoid well we can't have any of that in heaven so you know part of the reason we talk about purgatory is because we know what heaven is supposed to be like it's a place that's that's only filled with love and light and peace and, and harmony and all that and anything Wait, are dark. Are you saying we can't avoid people in heaven? No, no. I think in heaven we're all going to be brothers and sisters with the saints, and we're going to be—we actually will get to know each other at a much deeper level than we can on earth. So, purgatory— But we're going to hang out with people that— uh, <laughs> What? Well,
0: I, it's been my philosophy of, like, you know, there's. I don't wish hell on anybody. I just wish right. that heaven <laughs> is really, really big, and I can you can, a, I, a I can avoid them.
1: avoid <laughs> 'em. But but James, this is the whole point. Here. We won't want to avoid anybody in heaven. See we're we're going any any tendency in us to want to avoid <laughs> is going to have to be removed. That's the whole point. So, so I just think, yeah, I think I think there's a logic to purgatory. I mean, like all of our Catholic beliefs and doctrines, um, there's a logic to it. it's It's partly the logic. Of love, You know, that uh, if indeed we're called, as Scripture says, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and also to be perfect in love, then we can't really enter into heaven and enjoy it if there's anything in us that is selfish or that is imperfect. So um, it just makes sense that there's got to be a way that God, there's got to be a process that God uses to make us ready to fully enjoy heaven. Otherwise, we won't. You know, we just right. won't enjoy it. Um yeah, I th- I, th-
0: I, th- I think that um, in in my layman's lame attempt attempt to try to figure this out, um, I think that a lot of it has to do with um, our inability um, to really examine our lives, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: before even going to confession and the examination of conscience, conscience, which is the technical term that we use, but just mm-hmm. self understanding and self-awareness of our faults and what we're doing wrong i was i i was thinking about this and i was thinking about when i was living in guatemala and i was in guatemala in 93 and there was i was making friends with the people that were in the town i was working at a catholic mission uh, digging a pure water well system and then teaching uh-huh. guitar at night and I would, i'd be talking with uh um uh, you know my friends and they'd be like you know what it, it it's um Americans don't realize how rude they are <laughs> like well, really and it's like yeah they, they're completely rude and Americans yeah. would come down and they wouldn't use usted um they would use uh the informal version mm-hmm. of talking mm-hmm. with anybody which was really offensive to people mm-hmm. and they wouldn't like down there, it's it's polite to ask permission before you go into a store or into somebody's mm-hmm. house. You just sure. it didn't matter what, you just you just ask for permission to go in, and that was the polite thing to do. Well, right. you know, m- Americans don't know that when they go no. down, and when they learn Spanish, they learn it in in, in two and at the usted and right. So it's just a lack of understanding. Of they're not wrong. A- Americans are incredibly rude when they go down there. But, it, but Americans don't realize that they're They're oblivious. I, right. Yeah. No,
1: yeah. I, when I was living in Paris, it was the same thing. I was so embarrassed sometimes to be in a store or a restaurant where Americans come in and they act as if they own the place. And they don't even ask, you know, do you speak English? You know, there's just sort of an assumption that, of course, you know, I can speak English. And, and anyway, um, yeah, so I, I, I hear what you're saying.
0: So, and I think that's I think that's a good comparison to... You know, our examination of conscience and, and really mm-hmm. taking a look at our own stuff, and I think that once you know, once we're dead, right? Um, all of the 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 rose colored glasses are taken off, and you're like, oh, right? Look at I didn't even realize I was doing that.
1: You know, I think this 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 image of vision is really a, an important one because uh, we talk about in Catholic terms, we talk about heaven as the beatific vision, where we see God face to face and so forth. And I think you're absolutely right on Earth. I don't know if we'd say we're always blinded, but certainly we have, like, a a veil or a film over our eyes, or, and like you said, rose-colored glasses, where, you know, we don't see reality and truth as it really is. We're very good, as we know, at rationalizing things um, and willfully kind of being blinded to things, and... You know one of the one of the helpful images I've often heard of Purgatory is that of um, imagining that you're leaving a dark theater after seeing a movie, a matinee. So it's still in the afternoon and you walk out into the bright sunlight. And there's no, there's a painful adjustment that takes place. You know, you you walk out and you're kind of squinting until your eyes adjust to the light. And so I think that's a neat image for purgatory, you know, upon death, it's kind of like our in order to see God, face-to-face, with that beatific vision, with our eyes fully opened, um, we, we need to have the darkness and the blindness uh, removed and healed. And, and that's going to involve some pain, but it, again, it's a joyful pain. And it's, it's, it's God himself, it's his love that, you know, burns out of us anything that is impure. You know, now, as I say that, I think about, you know, that scriptural image of like a, a, a piece of metal, precious metal being put in the fire and the furnace in order to remove all the impurities you know and all that you have left is the pure gold that's that's another good thought when it comes to purgatory
0: okay i'm just i'm, I'm imagining this movie theater with also like an exit that takes you straight to hell and then you know <laughs> How many doors are now? I'm thinking, like, how many doors there are to this movie theater, and <laughs> wow, you know, do you do you get to grab popcorn as you're heading? I don't know. It's don't uh, know. It's, it's it's. I have a tendency to go off on tangents <laughs> with metaphors. That's okay. Uh, do you have other metaphors that I can make fun of,
1: or uh? um, how about the garbage man <laughs> <laughs> metaphor? The idea that you know God's a garbage man and he has to remove and purify us of all the spiritual garbage that we accumulate over the course of our lives, you know? I don't know if that helps, but...
0: But it does a little. I mean, I, I think I struggle with the whole purgatory thing as, as much as yeah. anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of, I'm grateful, if that's a weird thing, to, of purgatory, because I think without purgatory, and and if, if, if only people with perfect love are getting into heaven or have been right. sanctified, can get into heaven... Um, I think a lot less people will be going to heaven. I well, think, this is true. I think that purgatory is kind of a—it's like, well, very optimistic and you know, hopeful. Here's 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 what you need to focus on, and yeah, let's, let's keep moving on. So, uh, what else? Do you th- what else uh, are you thinking about purgatory? As far as like the stuff that I'm reading is is uh, interesting, but mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about some of the stuff
1: that, that you've been reading first. Yep. Well, you know, I think one of the things that purgatory teaches us, I think, is that um, our choices, first of all, God gives us the gift of free will. I mean, he doesn't dictate, he doesn't uh, coerce us. He's given us this gift. It's what makes us different than the animals, uh, is that we can actually make free choices to love, but we can also, you know, abuse our freedom to uh, do bad things, evil things, to sin. And so... um, you know, I see that purgatory is kind of an extension of that reality of free will, and that, and that, um, you know, God respects our free choices, but that our choices have consequences. Um, so I think the idea that we would all just sort of be ushered into heaven upon death, no matter what we've done, uh, no matter what evil we've committed, that just doesn't, it just doesn't square with my understanding of us as free beings who. In our choices, you know, have to deal with consequences of those choices, and um, so the consequences of your
0: choices of moving around the microphone are like they are consequences to me.
1: I can hear you getting really loud and then backing oh. up. No, I well okay. I don't know. I think I've been trying to stay pretty still here, I don't, but I I don't think you mean I to. I, I oh, okay. but this is again Maybe I'm getting this is like, excited.
0: That's what you're gonna be facing in purgatory, is like, well, right. here's the stuff you were doing during the podcast that caused Jim
1: to do more work. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> And, and maybe I caused kind of static, or that. I caused, yeah, maybe, all right, so there's yeah, another so. good analogy. We just created our own analogy. We don't need to read all these theologians <laughs> and apologists. We can come up with our own analogies <laughs> and metaphors. Um, but I think, you know, we get the other thing is we get very attached to our sin. It's not just that we commit sin, but we, like, we kind of love the darkness. We love uh, the sin. And so even if we stop sinning in some way, Uh, which is a good thing, of course. Um, There can be this pining for the sin. Oh, I wish I could do this, even though I know it's wrong and I'm not doing it. I wish I could. Kind of like the Israelites when they left Egypt, you know, and they were in the desert wandering around, they they looked backwards and they said to Moses, you know, why did you ever take us out of Egypt? You know, we had all those onions and leeks and good things. And they thought they had it really good, and they kind of forget that slavery (laughs) actually wasn't such a great state. Was
0: that their lead? It was like... We had all those onions. That was their. You think that was their number one? <laughs> well, leeks or onions, God, I don't know. Which onions, one they,
1: but yeah. <laughs> or, this, this or, food is so boring. F- I know, I know. I mean, well, and, and I, I understand. I don't think I'd want to eat manna day in and day out, you know, and you know. So I can understand why they'd be.
0: So you uh, would? Okay, let's get this for the record. You would prefer onions? <laughs> no, I actually to, hate onions. To food from heaven. <laughs> Well, is if it that were just flaky, if it was
1: just like flaky bread. <laughs> I would probably, maybe I'd start to like onions more. I don't know, but that's pretty actually, actually, clarify because I like purple onions, like on a salad. I just don't like those <sighs> the white onions that are grilled and put on a burger. So,
0: if you were back with Moses and it was onions from heaven <laughs> coming down, okay, that makes more sense. All right. all right, all right. So, your but your attachment to sin thing, I, I think, is is very apt. I, mean, I think about you know I uh, smoked um I don't know a couple packs a day for a long time mm-hmm. and um it was really really hard to quit smoking in fact you and I were doing spiritual direction when I quit smoking mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. were kind of instrumental in that whole thing okay. and it, it, but it's been good lord I don't know what 20 years or yeah and and I if i still would love to have a cigarette sure I'm not one of those smokers that is like is absolutely abhorrent to it. After and I wish I was, but if somebody's having a cigarette around me, I'm just like kind of nuzzling up closer. Not in COVID days, but uh, before COVID, be like, "Hey, how you doing? Let's be best friends." (laughs)
1: Yeah, you smell great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you know we could extend that. To almost any sin or any type of compulsion or addiction that we that we struggle with you know we it's one thing to stop the behavior but what we really need and, and deeply long for is a transformation of our desire right and uh, you know that's why I mean we could talk about that in the area of lust too I mean it's one thing to stop lustful activity that's awesome but if if in your heart and mind you're still lusting after people and and desiring kind of this illicit Pleasure or whatever. Well, that's not the full transformation that God wants for us. So I think purgatory is where that that deeper um, level of the heart is is uh, touched. You know, um, I hear. Uh, you know, the other thing I think that makes purgatory maybe scary to people is it often is associated with hell. I mean, we talk about purgatory. Scripture, um, like like Paul in one Corinthians three, talks about um, the fact that after death. You know, there's going to be a fire that's going to reveal everything and it's going to kind of burn up whatever needs to be taken away. And so that image of fire can be scary to us um, because we often talk about hell as, as a fire. And so without denying the fact that whatever the purgatorial process is like, it's going to involve some pain but ultimately, purgatory isn't sort of this outermost edge or room of hell, but uh, it's the antechamber to heaven. So people in purgatory are actually happy because they know that they're... They know where they're going. They know where they're going, right. Yeah. And, and so we don't have to fear purgatory. And in fact, you know, like we've been saying, we can long for it because it's what's going to make us able to truly thrive and flourish in heaven the way we want to.
0: And I think that, like the vision, the, the imagery that we get of, of heaven and hell and purgatory, we get from, uh, you know, mystics and saints. Yeah, and, and, and things, Dante. Dante and, and, and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, that people um, have, because we have a finite knowledge, our ability to interpret what is beyond that um makes it you know makes it difficult so we'll we'll use rudimentary uh imagery right. to describe something and it, you know it's are, are there actual flames well maybe i don't know but it's if, if it's more Um, Well, it's a
1: spiritual experience because remember we don't have bodies, so it's not like we're it's not like standing too close to a uh, bonfire or putting your hand on a hot oven. I mean, but so yeah, you're right. It's all metaphorical, but but it's also true in that the the reality it's trying to express is that there's going to be some pain, uh, but it's going to be again a a searing pain that purifies and, and heals. Um, you know, I th- as, even as we're talking about healing now, I think about another metaphor image that might be helpful to listeners, which is that of a, a surgeon. You know, you, you can imagine um, a doctor who needs to apply a healing remedy to us. Um, well, that remedy sometimes involves pain. Like uh, I can remember, you know, going to my dentist as a kid, and well, only one time, the very first time, did I ever get Novocaine because that needle was so terrifying to me. And then, of course, you had to wait for the for your mouth to get numb and then and then you was numb for hours. I found that so like unpleasant that he said the next time I had a cavity, I think I had probably five cavities as a kid. He said, "Look, we don't need novocaine. When you feel some pain, just raise your hand and I'll stop." And so I I would do that. I mean, he would drill, and when it got when he hit something that really caused some pain, I'd raise my hand and he'd pause and then he'd go back to it. I found the pain of the drilling you know actually less of a nuisance than than the novocaine process but my point here is that you know we willingly take on pain from a doctor or a dentist when we know that it's going to bring healing you know we're even willing to have an, uh, a limb amputated because it's going to it's going to save the rest of the body if it's cancerous or or full of gangrene so in a way That's, again, an image of purgatory. We're we're willingly accepting a process uh, that involves some pain in order to be healthier and happier.
0: And there's no Oxycontin in purgatory. (laughs) You
1: You said that very definitively. I'm not going to be that that (laughs) definitive. I don't know. So, um, you're full of metaphors today I'm just, they're just coming out of me One after another I'm just, just, this is amazing
0: So, I I would compare, here's a really dumb metaphor This is like the dumbest
1: metaphor And it just hit me Tim, Um, let me be the judge of that You don't don't say that about yourself
0: You're going to agree with that But, (laughs) so, um, our desire for God The, the, The whole thing, I think the pain is Our desire for God and, and we're finally open to what our actual desire for God is after we die and we're either completely um, we reject it completely or we're in purgatory and we really want it but we're only getting a you know an inkling of it and then or we go to heaven and we got uh, we, we get the full presence of God and, and, and we're in the beatific
1: vision. Well, but I would say the well. pain is not only this yearning for God that we don't yet have, that's part of it, but it really is also this attachment for what is not of God and that needs to be... Well, now you ruined re- my metaphor, so now I can't oh. use it. <laughs> oh, go ahead, try it. <laughs> so what I was
0: thinking was, like um, my if, if I had my druthers... I would like eat chocolate twenty four seven, and Jen um, will, uh, and, and because one because she likes to be cruel, and or or she wants to be helpful. I haven't some days it's one, some days it's the other. She'll hide the chocolate in the house, uh, mm-hmm. and then she'll you know she'll dole it out way too little. But she'll <laughs> dole it out in and, and trying to, you know, keep me not from... You Pacified. Know, kill, yeah. But, I, you know, it's like my love for chocolate, like my love for God, um, like I I would just want to fill it all the time. And, and maybe, you know, this is my chocolate purgatory with Jen. And it's a little painful. Right? I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. The, the, the wanting chocolate and not being able to find it. So wait, are you comparing
1: God to chocolate?
0: It's a it's a metaphor. Um <laughs> I think that you compared it to a movie theater, so <laughs> Yeah, but
1: but we want, God. we want the fullness of God.
0: And I want the fullness and, and of you, chocolate, so that's a pretty good metaphor. Yeah, but the only difference here
1: is that <laughs> if you eat all the chocolate you want, it's actually going to be harmful to you, whereas you can never say right, that about so, God. I told you it was only a metaphor. Let's just let it well, go. Well, it limps a little bit, but there is some truth. I will acknowledge that there's some real truth in your metaphor. Let's save what we can. So
0: and, here's the thing that's interesting about... Purgatory. Let's We'll establish that there is a purgatory and that there are people in purgatory and that um, we need to pray for the people in purgatory.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Me that too. Is really important. Because we were yes. running out of time. No, because, well, <laughs> right. But people, no, our listeners need to know that, you know, we've always, I mean, that's one of the things, even if the doctrine of purgatory wasn't more developed uh, as a doctrine until, like, maybe the 13th century, Second Council of Lions, all this stuff. But we've always had this belief, even in the early church. You know, the fathers talk about the fact that masses are being offered for the dead. So, So having masses prayed for the dead, offering our own prayers, undergoing some penances, all of that can be really, really helpful because again love doesn't cease with death our, we believe that the church on earth the church militant is united with the church triumphant in heaven and the church suffering in purgatory we're all in this together and in the order of grace you know we can affect each other through our prayers through our love and so yeah i want to really make a strong pitch to uh, people that might be listening that we should uh, pray for our deceased loved ones and that's a really important part of our tradition The other thing that occurs to me is, you know, we we used to talk about days of purgatory, and we've gotten away from that. Well, no, let's get back to the prank Oh, yeah, go ahead. You're just just running away. I know, I just kind of ran away from it, right.
0: I just, well, we're done with that one. Let's move (laughs) on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, from a personal experience, um, as I get older... Um, my prayers tend—I'll uh, t- go to uh, adoration, or I'm praying mm-hmm. the rosary, and and I, I more and more lean towards praying for people in purgatory, because as I get older, the things that I pray for, the the people that I pray for, selfishly, um, I'll take a look at it as kind of a win-loss record in the things that I'm praying for. Okay. And as I get older. Um, the, the loss record it seems to get higher if I'm praying for you know, to, somebody to get over something or mm-hmm. you know, praying for uh, you know, a new job or wh- whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it's like, well, that just didn't work out at all. But if I pray for people in purgatory, I don't think I can screw that up.
1: <laughs> I
0: don't think that my prayers for people in purgatory yeah. will be like, oh, crap, he's praying for me. i got more time in here now. Because fellas right. I don't think that's the case. I think it's no. like the one thing that that You're we pretty, can pray for. Pretty confident about. I, I, am I wrong? You
1: no, <laughs> I I think there is no such thing as a wasted prayer. Period. But when, especially when it comes to helping those who have died, I think they're very grateful to receive our help because after death we can't. At that point, really do anything anymore for ourselves. I mean, our our life is over. Right. We're we're um, you know we're not able to merit anything at, 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 anymore. Um, we can't really yeah we can't really welcome God's grace to cooperate with it at that point. But which which uh,
0: brings up another interesting point. This is something that I've been thinking about as I've been praying about people in purgatory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the, the people in purgatory. Um, can't it's, it's, it's Catholic doctrine that the people in purgatory can't pray for themselves their ability mm-hmm. to pray for themselves is gone mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. right. but what I find um, interesting and it, this is just my opinion um, logically speaking the people in heaven can't pray for the people in purgatory either the saints because of the, if the saints could pray for the people in purgatory purgatory would be empty Right, I mean that would just be like that. That's a majority of the time of what they'd be doing is praying for the people in purgatory. So, I think the only people that can really pray for the people in purgatory are those of us here on Earth. Mm, what I'm do you think sure of them? I agree apples? with that?
1: Well, because I think the people in heaven. You told already... me earlier
0: that was like the most insightful thing that you had ever heard, and now you're going back on it.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> Okay, go on with your point. My point is that we we on earth can ask the saints in heaven to pray for us and intercede for us, which they do. And so if they can do that for us, I I think they can be praying for those who are in that process of purification. I mean, ultimately purgatory should be an empty place. I mean, in other words, people are moving. They're in process. They're in transit from purgatory to heaven. And so I think seems logical to me that people that are already through that process and are fully enjoying heaven can indeed petition God for others who are on the journey. I don't know. So that I don't have any problem with that.
0: Well, <laughs> all right. I, I, I we can agree to disagree. Yeah, we can, and and I've, I've read up on that. I tried to do some studying on that. And the only thing that I was okay. able to find that if if we asked saints to pray for a particular person in purgatory, then we can be assured that those prayers are being offered. Mm-hmm. But for people, in, for purgatory in general, mm-hmm. I think the responsibility really is, I mean, shouldn't the responsibility be on us? Like, if, because if, I'm lazy. If if, <laughs> if if I'm told, like, no, the saints have got this covered, then I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to... Pray for my stupid stuff. Well,
1: huh? I think it's a both and. I think we can all be praying again if, if if the the people in heaven and the people on earth and the people in purgatory, if we're all united together, then I think we can all be praying. I mean, we yeah. Anyway, we the the heavenly saints and and those of us still on earth can be praying for our beloved dead. I think, but uh,
0: I think I think that this is a beer bet. I think that you know when we both if hopefully not on wood we both get through purgatory and, and and get to heaven and then we'll find out if saints can actually pray well, for those right, people then right. then one of us is going to owe the other a beer
1: okay that sounds good you can do okay you you're not going to forget that are you no 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 i'll i'll remember i'll remember <laughs> um yeah and, and and we're obviously talking about things that are not fully grasped by right. us right there's a whole element of mystery so there's always going to be some doubt or speculation when it comes to things like purgatory. We do the best we can given what we're uh, what's revealed to us in scripture and tradition. But um, yeah, ultimately we're going to be we're going to be shown it all once we're once we're dead.
0: So so, so the things that I've read uh, from the saints and the mystics that talk about this: the one people in purgatory would rather be in purgatory than on earth. From the conversations that they've mm-hmm. had with people in purgatory. Sure, which yep. makes a lot of sense because we still have the opportunity to uh, condemn ourselves to hell. Yeah. Um, and that the other thing is that um, time seems to be like for there's no time in in purgatory. Like it's a lot longer than um, than than we think. There was a story, I'm trying to remember who told the story. Um, where uh, an angel came and visited a person who was sick and said, you can either spend a year on earth with this pain of, of this illness, or you can spend one day in purgatory. And he's like, well, give me one day in purgatory. And and then the angel went and spoke to him later, and he's like, you told me a day, and it's it must be at least 20 years. And he's like, you haven't even been buried yet. You're still... <laughs> Like, which, by the way, I think is longer than a day for most people, so that, that, seems, that seems a little, but he was, he was just, he was so, and uh, there was a, Padre Pio, there was a story where uh, he tells a story of uh, a soul from purgatory came and visited him and said, please, say a mass for me, and Padre Pio said, well, yeah, I'll, first thing tomorrow. And the guy just wailed in pain that he had to wait another day. Mm-hmm. So, wow. I mean, if it's like 20 years, then I, I guess I get that.
1: Well, and somewhere in Scripture it says that, you know, to God, a, a, a thousand years are a day and a day a thousand years. I, I think what we're getting at is is after death, like when we talk about whether it's heaven or purgatory, um, time doesn't really apply anymore because, right. uh, I mean, God lives in an eternal now, and so there you know time is a earthly concept and and it's kind of natural that we might talk about length of time you know longer time shorter time in purgatory but you know from what i understand it, it yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense which is why the church has stopped talking about a certain number of days in purgatory i think what we would say is a person's experience of purgatory can be more or less intense you know the pain can be lesser or greater depending on the level of sin or evil in the person's heart and so forth so they may experience it somehow as more uh, intense but but you know i I don't yeah i don't think it makes sense to say you've got to spend x amount of time in purgatory Um, but again uh, that's it's kind of hard for us to understand or wrap our minds around how but there's i mean
0: there's there's other stories though like um, you read about fatima and i don't remember um, who the Blessed Mother was talking about. And, and it's private revelation. You can mm-hmm. believe it or not, which is interesting because um, I'll talk with people and they'll be like, oh, I totally believe in Fatima, but I don't know about this purgatory thing. I'm like, well, you think that when the Blessed Mother's talking about purgatory, that she's mistaken? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Blessed Mother. I'm like, I get all this other stuff, but right. uh, I think but, you're a little yeah, out of the purgatory thing. Yeah, right. So, but she's, she's talking about how one of somebody I don't remember who I, I just read it yesterday, and I've completely forgotten about it <laughs> um, but was going to be spending uh, was going to be in uh, purgatory until the end times, until purgatory is canceled out. I don't remember who that was.:
1: <laughs> Yeah, we, well, we can
0: chat about that a little bit, and while I'm trying to read it and find it again, I should have written this down. That's okay, but it just it just struck me as we were talking when you were saying that it's just, there's not a time limit on this whole thing. I was like, well, maybe for some people it is kind of a time limit. I don't know. We don't well, know.
1: Maybe, maybe it's subjectively experienced as somehow longer, shorter. I don't know. I, I I guess it makes more sense to me to talk about how. I mean, if God God is love and it's that love itself that burns away everything. I mean, I think that can happen in an instant, but. It, it's done but the, the level at which we feel it may, may vary but I don't know I mean I don't have any special revelation on that so we'll, I don't I don't it could be it could be that I just think what's difficult for me to, to reconcile is if if uh, heaven is this like I said this eternal now that we you know it isn't sort of we don't experience a passage of time uh, days weeks months years then I don't know if that, I don't know if it makes sense to use that. Concept of time when talking about purgatory, but
0: right, no, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's again, it's uh, you know, a, a finite eyes viewing the infinite, mm-hmm, and, and right. we got to put it in terms that we can understand. So that makes right, sense. Right. Yeah. We got to wrap right. this up, Father. We're getting. Let's uh, do it. We're just we're gonna we could spend three hours on this, and I don't think anybody's sure. gonna listen to three hours no, of this stuff. No. Is there any th- last thoughts that you have before we uh, uh, wrap this up with a bow? Um. And. They're brief thoughts you know
1: one thing yeah maybe i would just point out that in scripture in the old testament there's a, a figure named judas maccabee who um we often turn to this passage when trying to talk about purgatory because he orders prayers and sacrifices for these soldiers that have died because right before they died they committed idolatry and um and then in, in Revelation 21, it says nothing unclean will enter into heaven. So I think, you know, one of the things maybe to just highlight is that we Catholics um, always find some uh, evidence of our beliefs in Scripture, uh, even, if, um, even if it's not fully developed there. Um, you know, we be, we're not without resources when it comes to uh, sacred Scripture and the Word of, uh, word of God revealed there. Um, and here, that.
0: here I am telling you to, uh, you know, give a final thought and let's wrap this up. And it's and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to mention this. Um, <laughs> I know I'm just trying to. Like, <laughs> so we in went long, folks. Final. You probably turned us off. But <laughs> um, right. but but the other thing that I find really interesting is that saints will consistently talk about how our suffering on earth. Um, we can ask that this apply to either the souls in purgatory or to right. ourselves right. to right. help expiate the process, right. and and if you're if you're suffering with you know whatever, um, there's a uh, one story that I read again I don't remember who said this but um, a mystic was talking about um, that there was a a priest and a nun who had both. Uh, come down with a terminal illness and the nun said to the priest um, let's offer this up for our time in purgatory and the priest said that is that's just wrong that's we can't do that and that um, the mystic was visited by the priest later on and he was like my bad. That was a bad choice. I could have mm-hmm. done that, and then apparently the nun was able to, you know, mm-hmm. go straight to heaven. So our suffering, and we're going to have an episode on suffering someday. Um, but our suffering can um, be applicable to, um, you know, people in purgatory, or um, we we both have a friend who has um, chronic pain, and mm-hmm. and she. Um, she can't, she's had multiple surgeries to try to get rid of this. It's it's a, it's a nerve issue that causes her just massive migraines and Mm. the, the, the cold weather impacts Mm -hmm. it and she can have good days and bad days, but it's always there. And we were talking about it one day and I'm like, this is just um, the suffering. Uh, You know, this is, this is, this is awful. And she's like, but I'm offering this up for Mm -hmm. souls on earth and souls in purgatory. And, so a lot of people probably beholden to her because she's going through a lot of pain and she's offering it up.
1: I know a Jesuit who is in that same situation, too, and uh, I do believe that God allows us on earth to you know, experience that, that purgation. Um, in fact, I read something recently where actually, ideally, we, we all would um, be purified here on earth, and so after death we wouldn't need much, if any, Further purifi- purification, so yeah, but it's no, got to be a I choice. Yeah, you got to yeah. make.
0: You can't just like accidentally do that. But it's got to be. You ha- it's got to be intentional.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's something that needs to be yeah, kind of consciously chosen. Um, but I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people do kind of, kind of um, ask the Lord to, as it were, credit their earthly suffering uh, as purgatory.
0: Yeah. No suffering. There's. But people think of suffering as a terrible thing and it can be but there's there's there is god can take anything and sure. um make it good anyway we're just rambling on that well
1: again maybe the level of love with which it's done is important right, right. no absolutely
0: i 100% agree with that it's all about love all you need is love
1: all you need is love yeah dun, 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 dun. okay john lennon so we should wrap he's
0: it up. a smart guy it's uh Whatever. If
1: he needed, he needed some purgatory. I don't know, but that's anyway, the, there was there
0: there was a one. Somebody reported that. Um, uh, well, we're not going to go into that. That's just that's just ridiculous. I'm not going to take us there. Um, our, our thing of the week, which we don't have a name for, um, <laughs> and it's it's, uh, it's it's a selfish one. It's a it's a it's a, it's kind of a personal plug. November is. The, uh, is Adoption Awareness Month. And about seven or eight years ago, I wrote a book, a children's book, um, kind of re, uh, redefining how people view adoption. It's called the itty bitty soul. It's available on Amazon. Um, and it, the, the origin of it was when my, my best friends in the world were going through the adoption process. Um, people, very kind-hearted people, were saying horrible things to them. Like, um, I knew a couple that adopted, but then they had one of their own. They had a child of their own. They mm-hmm. were like, this this child that we're adopting isn't going to be ours? Or um, are you going to allow your, your children to meet their real parents someday? Mm-hmm. And and all of these things that were so hurtful to them um, really kind of demonstrated that um, adoption is, is seen as, as, as kind of a you know, uh, a, a, a consolation prize. It's not, it's, it's not the most valued thing. And, mm-hmm. and so the, the intent of the itty-bitty soul is to reframe the whole adoption process from being given up for adoption to being sought after for adoption. And right. it's, it's in a children's story. Um, if you know anybody that has adopted... And you want to uh, give them something? Um, a lot of people who have read the book um, were were very touched by it, which makes me happy, including me,
1: including me. You didn't. I, you, didn't you were. I, I hardly <laughs> approve of this message. Thank you. <laughs> you were. All right. So
0: you can find it on Amazon. Um, the itty bitty soul, uh, and and type that into your Amazon search and you will find the book. And during, uh, adoption awareness, if, if you would like to make a purchase, I will uh, make sure that it's sent out to you. Excellent. All right. Uh, father, let's,
1: uh, let's have a prayer. You got a prayer ready for us? Let's do it in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. So Father, we thank you for this time and this conversation. We ask you to bless us and all of our listeners. We uh, lift up to you during this month of November with special intensity, our beloved dead. We ask that you would purify them in your love so that they can enjoy the fullness of the light and love and peace of heaven. We also ask that we might uh, be able to uh, unite our sufferings with those of your son Jesus, and in doing so, that we too might be purified of anything that is dark or selfish. Blessed Mother, please intercede for us and for our world at this time, and through your prayers, may the the dead enjoy the fullness of life in heaven. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Hey, let, um, let's let give a shout-out to... Um, Pick Chicolo and Weege Mom, who oh wrote really nice reviews for us on Apple. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Interesting names. <laughs> I, I think you personally know Weege Mom, And I don't is is I don't know if Weege is the, the child or she goes by Weege but um, thank you we're very uh, Pick Chickalo and Weege Mom thank you Uh, if anybody else would like to you know give us a review and and we can uh, we'll tell you we'll say thank you to you too all right I have a lot of editing to do to get this under three hours Um, (laughs) Father you have a great week and I will talk with you
1: soon take care folks sounds good Jim bye bye